welcome back everyone to another great episode of Classic Elder Scrolls! Oh yeah, baby, today is episode 59, The Lore of Black Marsh. And uh, we are here with said many teens, my uh, lovely Argonian maiden, who's ready to rock your world, baby. This is indeed Classic Elder Scrolls, brought to you by the Quest Gaming Network. Available for download on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, QuestGamingNetwork.com, and of course, new to Google Play. We're on Google Play too, so don't uh, don't forget to check us out there if it works for you. Today's record date is Morndas. No one's a fan of Morndas. The 29th of last seed. Uh, we've got some sponsors. We'll throw that in in just a few minutes. However, I am your host and fellow Tamriel Traveler, Evarwin, and I am joined by the dynamic duo. First, the one, the only, the creator of the Hist Milk Mustache, Mike the Tamrielic Historian. It will give God of Radio a run for his money. <laughs> Danny! Shout out to Danny. <laughs> yeah, you've seen the, the mustache that his character has? Whew, no. 1970s called, they want their handlebars. Uh, oh, oh my, oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. Um, how you doing, Mike? Doing okay for a Monday, you know. Yeah? Doing okay for yeah. a Morndas? Yeah. Ready to talk about some uh, Tamrielic history? Oh, yeah. Next Monday we have off. Yay! Ah, very nice. But so, you probably have to work because you have all the crazies, don't you? Yeah, you know, that that tends to happen. Last day of craziness for the summer? Uh, well, you know, it, it, it slows down a little bit, but uh, it certainly picks right back up again. September is probably the nastiest month um, in regards to, to work. I mean, we've got lots of parades... Um, that, you know, sometimes tend to get violent, but actually later on in the month, the worst thing is dealing with all the stupid dignitaries from around the world at the United Nations. Uh, that, that would drive me nuts, you know, cause they get that, uh, diplomatic immunity. And so they, you know, oh, they're the do worst. whatever the hell they want. They are the worst. I tell you, then I again, will... we do the same thing in, you know, when we go to their countries, but. but you know. And we're not, and right, right. Our, our political establishment is not much better. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So, um, people respect your people that live in your country. It would be nice. Yeah. If you could do that. Um, I'll hang out with gang members all day long before I hang out with some dignitaries. That's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> truth. It's the truth. Anyway. Um, <laughs> uh, we, we are also joined by the other half of the dynamic duo, the gentleman here who is able to string together from arena to Skyrim, all the things that our Elder Scrolls things. Hashtag, just Tamriel things. Right here, Mark, the Sonaris, last of his kind, but certainly the best. Holy falling through the world of Arwen. Hello. How you doing? Trying to... ah, I'm doing pretty good. Yeah. Getting back on the mics and, uh, yeah. yeah. It was fun getting together everything for this episode and just, you know, really looking forward to, uh, you know, to getting going with it. Absolutely. Now, um, because she she likes to say many things, indeed, uh, says many things, is uh, is ready to to introduce um, her her newfound friend and ally, Jazzledar. Go ahead, says many things. Hello, says many things here. So happy to be a part of Classic again. So here comes the most interesting five and a half seconds of our show. The Two Moons Horoscope with my friend, 
Jazzledar. Ah, thank you very much, handbag. This one basks in the sun of the Gold Coast. That's a bullshit. I have been asked to meet with the Pirate Queen. Too bad men and Mer do not understand that Khajiit and the Sun do not make for a productive combination. A week lying on warm rocks has been a vacation from all the work the speaker has this one doing. This one has seen the future of the Pirate Queen, and she should thank this one for taking his time. Today, the Zenithar de Bella Conjunction may make many people overreact in sentimental va- matters. You are willing to make declarations of love which you have been reluctant to make before. But you are just as likely to walk away soon after. This one has seen this many times in the alehouses of the Nords. But this one thinks the Al and the Mead had more to do with that than the stars. May warm sands be in your future. And maybe some slimy mud for you, handbag. Not very nice. <laughs> oh, it says many things. It's nice to hear you speak, but just don't do it again for the rest of the show. Oh. Did did Jazzle Dar just admit to being a murderer? It might have. Maybe. Might have. <laughs> I mean, he'll never it, out. He'll never make that assumption. It, but is the Two Moons horoscope uh, is that admissible in court? <laughs> <laughs> Do you not understand the Dar and Jezodar? I'm pretty sure uh, a good savvy defense lawyer will be able to rip through that. Um, <laughs> Probably. Anyway, um, so so uh, so we just want a quick quick shout out to um, to our our sponsors today. Of course, Tweaked Audio, TweakedAudio.com. They make some pretty amazing headphones. You can get them for thirty percent off and shipped to your house for free. Using our code off the record, if you're in the mood for some really high quality earbuds, you can't go wrong with tweakedaudio.com. And uh, with your brand new tweaked audio headphones, you should download a free audiobook. Choose from hundreds of thousands of audiobooks at Audible. Audibletrial.com slash Quest Gaming Network. Go ahead over to that link. And you can download a free audiobook today. Again, choose from hundreds of thousands of books today. And um, <clears throat> of course, we would like to remind you here at Quest Gaming Network uh, that we are associates of Amazon.com. If you go to QuestGamingNetwork.com, go down below our website on our front page there and click on the Amazon link at no extra cost to you and a whole lot of extra help for us. You'll be able to uh, lend a hand here as you shop to your heart's content on amazon.com so please uh think of uh think of us if you think of amazon think of qgn and head over to questgamingnetwork.com and go ahead and click on that associates link it'll uh it'll do it'll do quite a bit to uh keep things running over here um and also by mere Glim- uh mere glims eatery if it could be cooked it'll be made edible at least to daedra and city above Tinny, a fat lard, come get some dinner over at the Iron Chef of Tamriel. <laughs> Mirglim. Wow, that's a deep cut. That's a real, yeah. I, I really don't like acknowledging those stupid books anymore. <laughs> well, we are talking Argonians and uh, Black Marsh, so. Yeah. This is true. I, I had to get a little, you know, prop in there for that. Otherwise, I'd have to actually have part in the history. <laughs> All right. So, um,. Mark, 
Yes. Where so, uh, I, uh, where can people folks? Huh? I'm sorry. Go ahead. <laughs> uh, I'm 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 okay. So so um, you know what? I'll just throw this out there real quick. Uh, you can you can find us on our website questgamingnetwork.com. Of course, you can follow us on Twitter at Elder Scrolls OTR. We've got a Facebook on uh, Facebook as well. Facebook.com slash Elder Scrolls off the record. Uh, Mike, what are we doing today, man? I mean, we're we're in Skyrim. We're talking about Black Marsh. I got a crazy Argonian female. What's 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 up? So today we are in our discussion topics. A touch of creativity has hit the crew of classic Elder Scrolls. Ah, yes. Uh, we are going to be talking about Black Marsh in the history of and how the uh, uh, zone has changed throughout uh, the uh, series here. So welcome to the jungle, I guess is what Mark is putting down for it as his title of his section. Mm. Um, is it a jungle? Was it a jungle? Maybe he's going to talk about the Chim lore. You know, he loves that stuff. Oh, I hope Is there a tower in the, in the jungle? <laughs> That's it. I'm done. Last episode. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I hope they have fun in games. So uh, we also have a fast question and an email, and we have something quick to mention. Uh, today, ESO Update 12 has gone live on the PTS. It includes features uh, like Craglorn Update, Dueling, Holiday Events, Crown Crates, and the much-anticipated One Tamriel. So make sure to join us next week on ESOTR for complete coverage. Oh, yeah. We've got we've got a lot of that going on. A lot of that. So, all right. Um, I know we like to chat a little bit about, about some of our gameplay here. Um, Mark, what have, what have you been doing lately in, in good old good old Tamriel? Uh, I have been playing a bit more of Arena, uh, going back and forth, doing some quests here and there, uh, having, you know, seeing just what, uh, what I can do with, um, with has red hair. It's, uh, <laughs> wow, Are Arena is such a hard game at times. It, it requires care. You can't, like, it, it is very much go, attack a little bit, save, find a place you can rest, go and you know and so on and so forth i mean even going through the cities if i bump into a uh you you can't travel the streets at night because there are um there are are you know uh night blades and rats and daemons wandering around why did it have to be daemons though i'm only what the like, hell's matt daemon doing in, in arena <laughs> only like she was like they were appearing when she was like second level this is like what? What are they doing wandering the streets at night? <laughs> you know, why are the denizens from hell wandering the streets of a town at night well, with the rats and the night blades? I mean, you can't really blame them. They're looking for a change of scenery, I guess. You know, that's uh, why you're supposed to lock your doors and stay in your house after dark. You know, streetwalkers—they're demons. Anyway, what else you been doing, so Mark? <laughs> Uh, just pretty much that. Um, playing a little bit of uh, ESO. I, I have to admit, I'm I'm just really looking forward to uh, to um, when One Tamriel comes out. Yeah. Uh, I like some of the stuff that I've heard, like the upgraded world bosses. And, you know, just try that out for a bit. Oh yeah, yeah. Super uh, super yeah. solo friendly Craglorn. Um, that's that's going to be some some good stuff to yeah. finally be able to get into as well. Yeah. Um, no, I, I'm all about the the storylines and the plot. Yeah, uh, I mean, not to get too far into you know Elder Scrolls Online chat here, um, but I yeah. mean the the plot in in uh, Craglorn is actually really interesting. Mm -hmm. So, 
I mean, not like the others aren't, but it's, you know, you wouldn't expect it to be quite so interesting. Anyway. Yeah, it's really cool. I mean, I've done it four times now, so I'm probably the guy who actually changed the curve at Bethesda. <laughs> when they <laughs> talked about, you know, how many people have actually completed it, and they said 12, and I think I'm four of the 12, so. <laughs> <laughs> See, this is why you count by account and not by character. <laughs> Um, big shout out to our live chat room. Hello, folks. Thanks for for coming on in. Uh, it's always it's always nice to have a nice full chat room uh, while we while we record. And uh, hello to you, podcast listeners and YouTube viewers. Mike, what about you? What have you been doing in Tamriel, man? Uh, so I played Oblivion for a little while, mm. and I have been working on Bad Medicine. Mm. What group sang that song? Do you remember? Nineteen uh, eighties hair rock. Wasn't that Bon Jovi or something? Yeah, I think so. You're a Canadian for the like win. That, <laughs> oh God. Yeah. Yeah, it was Bon Jovi. Uh, oh so God. unlike Bon Jovi screaming and yelling at the top of your, their lungs to sing that song, I actually had to do a lot of sneaking because you have to sneak into this fort. And uh, one of two ways of doing it. The first way, you can go through the main entrance, but there's guards right there. So it's a luck of the draw as to whether the guard is there or not. The other way is through a side entrance, and you go through some, you know, flooded caves, and you can sneak through, and um, eventually you get in and replace the medicine. But if you lose your bonus from the Dark Brotherhood if you get seen at all. So it's definitely like chugging potions the entire way. It's like chameleon potion, chameleon potion, invisibility potion. But, uh, yeah, um, the doctor called, and uh, he's going down. Got so... That, you know, my evil side was coming out a little bit, so I figured, okay, I gotta balance this out, because if I want to experience all of Oblivion uh, on this new playthrough, I can't have uh, my infamy too high. So, I started the Knights of the Nine quest. Ah, personal favorite of mine. Yeah, we'll see how far I go before I side with Umarel, you know, because uh, <laughs> he's the evil guy in the quest, so. Right. We'll see. <laughs> Hmm. It uh, it's a good long quest and um, takes a while to get through, but it's it's very enjoyable. Yeah. Okay. And then you know I don't know about you guys, but whenever I play Oblivion, whenever it says come back in a day for whatever quest you're working on, it really pisses me off because I use the the wait function to wait 24 hours, and it won't take over that you know the 24 hours is up and, you know, your shit's ready. So I'm doing the taking care of Lex quest and I had to find the for the forager or for, yeah, whatever, you know, the guy who makes fake documents. Okay. And yeah, uh, forger. so I give him, you know, the thing I tell him, okay. And he's like, Oh, I'll come back tomorrow and I'll have it done. So I went slept, waited around, came back. I'm not going to get this done. If you keep bothering me, stop bothering me. <laughs> okay. So I went and did a quest cleared out of mine for the fighters guild came back slept went over why are you bothering me i'm not gonna get this done if you're bothering me oh, boy. like now it's been two days i'm like i'm gonna have to shake this guy down what the heck come on get you get to work <laughs> did you in fact shake him down uh no he's in the palace so he's doing something uh, sneaky over there with uh the people in the palace oh okay so you know we'll see we're going to get that document come hell or high water, though. Although uh, there's no council commands on the PlayStation, so that could be hard. Yeah, that'll, that'll uh, you know, as they say, PC, PC Master Race, I guess. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, but you know, my PC runs everything on Ultra except for Oblivion. I can't. Yeah. There's something about the processor power and the way that the physics engine and the processor do not like each other. Wow. And either I am like the Flash running across the the world, or like the tor- the tortoise and the hare, where it's just like I'll get there eventually. Well, Mike, let's just say you're you're just you're just too epic for your own good, man. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I wish. <laughs> <laughs> That's what's going on. What else? So then in ESO, I've been playing uh, the uh, Cradle of Shadows, which we have affectionately termed Rockabye Baby. Oh. And, <laughs> and the Runes of Mezzadoom, uh, which we haven't given a nickname to yet, although I do get the Johnny Bravo hair helmet out of it, so that's oh. pretty cool. Hey, Johnny Bravo. Oh. Yeah, now I just need uh, uh, an emote to go with it, like the, <laughs> you know, and then pose with your arm <laughs> out to the side. <laughs> right, right. Exactly. Both of them have Argonian lore behind them, so, you know, it fits nicely into our little uh, episodes here as to what we're doing. Yeah. Uh, one is the Shadow Scales, and it talks about the Argonians born under the sign of the Shadow, dedicated to the Dark Brother. And it's the first time that we get to see some interplay between the followers of Sithis through the Dark Brotherhood and the followers uh, of Mafala. Uh, so it's really a cool dungeon. I like uh, Rockabye Baby really a lot. Uh, we got the helm. I got it in Divines. A couple people are pissed because they've been farming it and they can't get it. And I got a purple in Divines. So. <laughs> no, it's it's a good mission. Like that's, uh, yeah. And it's short enough that it's, and it's got some really cool mechanics. So I've really enjoyed that. Ruins of Mazatum is, you know, a lot longer. Uh, but it talks about this never-ending building project and Argonians enslaving other Argonians to do the work. Mm, it's got a psychedelic ending, which is pretty cool. You know, it's kind of like they're tripping on his sap. Um, if that's you know, your thing. <laughs> if that's your I thing. Can it's... See, I can see through time. <laughs> <laughs> I can see clearly now. <laughs> okay. And I've been trying to do Legends, but I've completed the storyline and I've been doing practice, and I've been doing all these other things, and I'm just not good at card games. That's why I never actually continued on after, like, season one with uh, the decks for Magic. Yeah, I just get my butt handed to me every time I play, so mm-hmm. I need to get more friends on my friends list so that I, you know, have people that are the same as me when it goes comes to these things. People that suck at card games band together. Well, I'd oh, be more than happy me. to play with you, so, yeah, the three of us can, can play <laughs> Legends together if that's the case. I'm I'm awful at them, and I, I enjoy... I love magic. Mm-hmm. It's, yeah, it's flip the desk type of thing, because it's like, you know you've got a good build, and you're like, what do you mean? You know, it's like third round, and you pull a card that needs seven magic. I'm like, I'm, I'm not going to be able to use this. And you're like, you know, next round, you pull another one, it's like six magic. It's like, oh, oh tell I me can't about play it. a damn card, and then I'm dead. It's like... Yeah, you know, the best laid plans of mice and men, you could definitely see that, especially in magic. I um, I have uh, I've been building a um, a mono white deck in for for those of you who who play Magic. I've been building a mono white deck, and uh, you know I've got a a Gideon um, from uh, Zendikar in there, and uh, an Avacyn, uh from from uh, Innistrad in there. And uh, do they ever come out of my deck? No, no, they never do. But I tell you what, every every single nonsense little you know. Two two for two flyer that I have every single time makes a damn appearance. <laughs> mm-hmm. So, yeah, that that's that's sort of the problem I, I have with these games is I'm not good at making a uh, at building a deck that will. Uh, <laughs> I either have uh, cards that I can't put out, 
or cards that are too weak to be worth putting out. Well, like, I'm really liking the Shadow Lane concept because I always get the Fiery Imp that does two damage to the other player when it attacks. And without that Shadow Lane, there would be no way that that card would ever get played because <laughs> it would be annihilated as soon as it was laid if this was any other game. Yeah. Because it'd be like, yeah, immediate attack. Yep. Yeah. Yep, absolutely. And that's, that's you know, what's what's fun about the strategy involved in, in Legends is you can do that sort of thing. And, you know, suddenly, simply because it's, uh, you know, you can't attack that card directly uh, in that Shadow Lane... You, uh, you're, you're a very weak character that does some kind of damage all of a sudden now becomes a little bit more worthwhile. You, you might want to yeah. roll the dice and take a chance on it. Yeah, I mean, it's a, a one Magicka card. It does one, one, or it has one health, does one damage, but when it attacks and successful on an attack, it does two points to the player. You know, you play that on a regular lane, immediately that card's going to get annihilated by whatever the other guy has. Sure. But in the shadow lane, it gives you the ability to go one whole round without being able to be attacked. So yeah. you're at least going to have those those three points of damage to the other guy. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, Skyrim. That's uh, that's what I've been playing lately. A uh, little bit of Skyrim here and there. Um, I've been uh, getting into the Dragonborn quest uh, DLC. I'm, I'm, I'm gunning after Mirak. So I, I just started just started that quest a couple of days ago and have been have been uh, enjoying getting back into it because I haven't played uh, the Dragonborn DLC since probably when it first came out and like that is and it's such good DLC too like it oh yeah it you know totally worth it Mm -hmm. and I I think we've said it before Mirak is is kind of like one of the best final boss villains in the entire series, like it, almost the most satisfying to take out. You really—he's an SOB. He really yeah. is. Yeah, that's why he's just so satisfying to take down. Yeah, you really hate that guy. I mean, by the time you actually go toe to toe with Mirak, you can't wait to kick his ass. So oh, yeah. really satisfying. You're 100 percent right. Um. And uh, last night, you know, Jenny came over for a little bit, and um, she's been she started a brand new uh, Skyrim playthrough, and uh, we were talking a bit about it, and um, sort of all of a sudden, you know, uh, once you start talking about Elder Scrolls and Skyrim, like you just can't help but play. So we fired up the uh, Skyrim on my 360 at home in the living room, and she was watching me play a very low level character, and. I forget the name of the the cave. It's it's very close to Whiterun, and it has two trolls in it. I had a level six character, and um, I decided I'm going to run into this cave and test my might. Well, uh, that that was it, it, it was it was hysterical uh, watching me trying to fight these these two trolls simultaneously. Um, just at the point where I'm about to die from their, their pummeling onslaught, I would run out of the cave, heal myself up, gather myself and just run right back in. And Jenny was like, Oh my God, like, what are you going to do? I had a, I had a scroll of firestorm and, um, I didn't start, I didn't really see this until, until I, used, I start like frantically searching through my inventory for more health potions. And, of course, there weren't any, but I saw this scroll of Firestorm. 
I dropped this bad boy in the cave, and it just swept the whole cave. It was it was hysterical. These trolls, they they it killed them. Um, and so so whereas Jenny was telling me like you know you're level six, you're never gonna be able to get these guys, and bam, scroll a firestorm. I'm like, listen, you know who is this guy? You know. <laughs> so um, so that was that was a lot of fun. I I'm really itching to get uh, a Skyrim playthrough started again. But at the same time, I'm like, no, no, just wait another, you know, just wait a little bit longer and the special edition will be out and it'll be so much sweeter. Oh, yeah, Yeah, that's exactly what I'm doing now. It's like, wait, wait, wait. And I know it's going to take a while for all of the new mods to come in, but. Oh, yeah. At at the same time. um, My only thing is, I'm kind of hoping that like everything is, of course, getting a massive overhaul. But I don't think we've seen any of uh, the NPCs or whatnot after this overhaul. And I'm just, I'm really hoping that they do something to make the faces look slightly less dirty and worn, or at least give you the option to be not as haggard and dirty and worn without a mod. Wouldn't hold yeah, your breath. Yeah. Clean up some of the dirt. <laughs> yeah. I don't know about that. Wouldn't hold your breath, but maybe we'll get lucky. Yeah, fingers crossed. Yeah, maybe might see a little something-something. Um... Yeah, just to remind everyone, uh, if you bought all of the DLC for Skyrim on your computer, you're going to get this um, Skyrim Special Edition for free on Steam. Uh, for for all the PlayStation 4 and Xbox One users, it's yeah. available for pre-order now. Right. So go to our Amazon link. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's a good idea. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Go. go do that. Go do that. <laughs> I was trying to remember, like, idea. if that's if that's the same thing for console, but I mean, obviously not because it's it's going to PlayStation Four and Xbox One. So, which really kind of sucks because with PlayStation Network, you actually had to go on and buy the DLC for download for like at least PlayStation. And after all of the PlayStation debacle of the ten minute load screens, you know. <laughs> mm-hmm. Oh God, yeah, I remember that. That was awful. Now, question is, will they be able to get mods running on the PS? Now, that is a big I, now with, I, um, Fallout Four, yeah. Well, they're they're saying yes, but I mean, who knows, right? Yeah, it might take take a little bit. Yeah, who knows what happens? Anyway, we'll uh, we'll be there covering the whole thing if uh, any any issues may arise. Um, yeah. All right, folks. So so let's uh, let's jump into our uh, discussion topic for for the evening, shall we? Yes. Okay, so um, Mike, this was this was a pretty brilliant discussion topic you came up with. You want to lead us into it, please? Okay, so a little bit of background. Once again, I was places where I probably should never go. I was in the deep, deep bowels of the Reddit community for Elder Scrolls. Oh, God. It's a very scary <laughs> place. And you survived? I put my life in my hands. <laughs> Why would you do that? I was bored and psychopathic. <laughs> That's true what they say. Idle hands are the devil's tools. <laughs> yes. Uh, but I did find one really cool post, and a guy was like, you know, I want to write lore books about the Elder Scrolls. Where should I start? And I'm like, oh, that's a really cool idea. So, you know, I thought about it. I'm like, you know, our discussion topic. If you could write a new lore book for the Elder Scrolls series, what would they be? Something maybe like race, place, history, arms and armor, a bestiary, magic. Uh, the guilds, metaphysics, tower lore, <coughs> tower lore. 
I hate you so much right now. (laughs) (laughs) You should have seen the comments that came afterwards. You know, all of the, you know, who made the lore about, you know, Vivek and his intimate trysts with Molag Ball and all of their spawn children. Mm -hmm. (laughs) That's so disgusting. So so very much I needed a, a brain floss afterwards. You brought that on yourself. And it really wasn't like one time where um, where they, they had this, you know, sexual hookup. Uh, it was, oh, there's all these books about it. How many lessons did he didn't learn them? <laughs> I, yeah, I mean, they were mm-hmm. they were they were an item like they were. They, uh, 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 oh, God, it's in my mouth, too. Uh, blah, 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 blah. Enough. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> maybe a while wash that out um what happened where are we uh so what uh, <laughs> book what kind of book would you write <laughs> so mark what kind of book would you write yeah okay well um if i had to write a book for the elder scrolls i think the first one i would want to write is um uh hmm i think i would want to write one about how the how Talos revealed that he had become a god to the Imperials. Because that is something that has always fascinated me and at the same time has never been addressed. Like, I, I get the idea that it might have been, it was initially a hero cult in Morrowind um, that he was worshipped simply as a great man and that was about it with hints of divinity. And then it was just full-fledged godhood in Oblivion on, and we know for a fact he is a god because of different quests in Oblivion. So I guess it's sort of a case of, I would love to hear how, after he died, what miracles occurred, what sightings or what influence did he uh, show so that people knew he had become a god. I think that would be a fascinating book to write. Uh, the other one would definitely be about Argonians uh, on too much his his sap. I think I would call it "I Raise the Spine of Tripping Balls." Oh my god! <laughs> <laughs> well, there's that. <laughs> um, you know, I think I think I would I would probably write like you know short short stories. Um, in in re- in regards to the lore, uh, I think I would like create my own my own characters and write tiny little short stories about them in in Tamriel. Um, I've kind of got like this this um, fan fiction um, planned out about uh, Queen Kintyra and how it could be possible that she never actually did die during the uh, War of the Red Diamond with uh, Wolf Queen Potima. Um, And that, of course, would bring up a fascinating amount of uh, potential other lore. Great. Get your tinfoil hats. Right. Exactly. Um, The the thing is, is that, you know, this is um, the the idea of of Kintyra dying sparked the the holiday uh, Broken Diamonds, where everyone across uh, Tamriel is uh, sorrowful on that day for, for what they mark as the end of, of um, Tiber Septim's lineage 
and mm-hmm. she was sort of robbed of her um of her of her throne so well, she definitely was robbed of her throne and uh died a a prisoner in in a tower and it, you know it's a very sad story so i had thought to myself well what if she never did die what if that didn't happen what if what if uh what if she chose exile and uh you know the idea itself kind of ran away with me so i think i might you know, go to something like that first uh, in, a, in a lore book. You know how Elder Scrolls loves to write lore that's counter to its established lore. Yeah, I think no, I might that's start that's with one that. of the great parts about the series. Yeah. What about you, Mike? So, there's a couple bestiaries uh, in Skyrim, um, like the Ice Wraiths and the Hag Ravens and stuff. But I always find them to be very disappointing in terms of the writing quality. And I'd really like to see something more along the lines of the Van Richten series from um, uh, the Raven? uh, oh, Ravenloft. Ravenloft. Oh, I love those. Goes I'm, in I'm, depth. Oh, I, I actually have like the three compilation books that they did. Fantastic things. Yeah. So they really go in depth about like you know the the species and the powers that they have and how to fight them and stuff like that. And uh, yeah, I'd really like to see like that kind of of book um now and uh really you know you you pick it up because you're going to go fight an ice wraith and you know it would tell you okay you know make sure you you know bring fire spells with you and make sure that you know you have resist cold and you know this is where they're found and you know and really you know do a good job of writing it up you know trolls and ogres and you know daedra and all that kind of stuff just have a whole series of them Oh, that would be fantastic. Yeah, that'd be pretty cool. Uh, for, for anyone that doesn't know, um, uh, D&D has a setting called Ravenloft, which is basically gothic horror. Um, and one of the characters, their version of Van Helsing is a man named Van Richten. And they wrote uh, technically, or eight, technically nine guides uh, by Van Richten, each about different monsters like vampires, mummies, werewolves, liches golems, hags, so on and so forth. And these are written completely in character and anything involving game mechanics and that are then shoved off to the side. And all throughout it sprinkles bits of his journals as he hunted these various creatures and every single one of them ends with a big hunt that he did for one of these one of these monsters to show sort of what he did in play. And it's just absolutely fantastic. It's great stuff. Yeah. Uh, and it really, you know, as a player, yeah, you know, if you were in one of these these campaigns and were able to read and get a hold of these books, it would go a long way into preparing for what you think you're going to be facing. So. Oh yeah, definitely. I mean, yeah, no. If seeing, I would love to see something like that in uh, in the Elder Scrolls. Yeah, that'd be pretty badass. How come that couldn't have been the novels? <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. Well, um, without uh, without any further ado, uh, let's uh, let's turn the the spotlight over to uh, the one and only the scenarist, Mark. What do you got for ah. us today about Black Marsh? Well, Black Marsh or Argonia, as it has been uh, as it's been eh, as it has been called. Um, actually, funny thing. In um, well, of course, we're going over our uh, our. Uh, we're going over Black Marsh this 
in this episode. And, of course, there's been, as with everything else, there's been a huge number of changes from the very beginning. Uh, in Arena, Black Marsh shows up. Oh. In fact, uh, all the different sites that we know and hear about and love um, show up as well, just completely differently. See, in Arena, Black Marsh, while a very wet area with lots of ponds and whatnot that you can swim around in, uh, is also a not super... I don't think there's a huge amount of vegetation, but each settlement has nice and well-maintained defensive walls. Um, inside, there's, not, uh, you know, there's nice laid-out streets with beautiful, you know, with very nice-looking houses and very a lot a large number of canals. It it looks sort of like a it, it doesn't have have the feel of a a swamp village. It, it feels like. Uh, a normal village, just where they've had to uh, deal with a large amount of water. Um, definitely not the de- definitely not the uh, festering, stinking, festering, stinking marshlands, far as the eye can see. <laughs> to say the least, uh, there are <laughs> problems, of course. Uh, there are rats in the streets, night blades, and demons. And why were there demons? It was level two. It's totally BS. <laughs> And why can't I get a... I can't get a room to sleep in there. I can't get a room to sleep in Black Marsh. I go into the first inn I see, I'm half dead, and the first thing this person does is ask me to go find someone else at a different inn to go deliver something. So I go, and I go out into the night, and I... Because he only gives me three hours to deliver this thing. And I go to the next inn, and I go <laughs> deliver to... Deliver yourself! There's demons out there! And yes, street and, I go to... and all the kind of nasty things! Go out here yourself! Yeah, I'm yeah. not leaving! You, you go to deliver the package to the, to the innkeeper there, and the first thing he says before he accepts it is, Oh, I got something for you to deliver to a store. You got two hours to drop it off. It's like, <laughs> no! Damn it, this no I don't! With you people! <laughs> So, um, yeah, it basically, for the most part, um, at the time, Black Marsh was filled with human-looking characters, sort of grayish skin because, well, they were more, or greenish-grayish skin because they were more, uh, like, they were more just normal humans with lizard-like features. Uh, That changed, of course, once we got to Redguard. Well, physically, they changed once we got to uh, Daggerfall. But the land started to change when we got into Redguard. Uh, at that point, we were introduced to the idea that at one point the land had been called Argonia. And if I can just read this one little bit here, this is from the um, the third uh, the third edition Guide to the Empire came in the uh, the Redguard book. It says Argonia. These vast swamplands were once part of the Second Empire, which, in the First Era, or 2,837 of the First Era, had seized a large portion of uh, portion of it to create the Imperial Province of Black Marsh. Many humans still refer to the region by that name, but the elves call it Argonia, after some ancient battlefield where many of their ancestors fell. Thus, the native inhabitants of the Swampland are a collection of beastly tribes of lizardmen have become, in common parlance, the Argonians. Now, the uh, the guide, of course, is written by an imperial and then annotated on the sides by a um, by a Thalmor agent. And he has underlined the some ancient battlefield part, and he says on the side, "Does anyone on the Thalmor know what the humans are talking about?" 
<laughs> That's interesting. So, so this could be a complete farce. Yeah, basically. Well, that's one of the great things about the guide is that the human uh, writing the guide itself is putting a uh, slant on it. And, of course, he doesn't know everything that goes on and so on and so forth. But then to act as a counterpoint, you then have the edits or the um, the notations made by the Thalmor agent who loves to point out the biases of the, uh, the Imperial author. He loves to point out how stupid the guy is and then just his own observations having traveled the area so it sort of gives you that while there are things that are different and you could say oh well the imperial had just he didn't know what he was talking about there it's sort of the type of thing that if he didn't know what he was talking about then the thalmor would have corrected it or at least thrown some a shade on it that it because like when it's talking about Tiber Septim, it suggests that maybe he wasn't actually a god. So anyway, at this point, uh, we were introduced to the idea that um, Black Marsh wasn't just some uh, wetland filled with a couple of town, you know, filled with towns that were fairly well maintained. It introduced the idea that it was a a savage environment that it was just thick unending swamps and and jungle that just went on forever that uh it could it had never been it, it was not something that anyone ever took on mass and in fact as we eventually find out tiber septum himself never actually took black marsh he just basically went so far in and then said you know what uh this place is conquered it's now a province uh let's go and Let's go somewhere else. <laughs> Let's find more civilized shores. <laughs> I've had enough of this. I'm going to get Zika if I stay here. Okay, let's yeah. go. Let's yeah, basically, I, I, I'm not wasting all my men marching through the swamp. That's a, you know, that's a stupid thing to do. I'm just going to call it conquered. Who's going to say otherwise? Right. <laughs> but one of the things that they introduced, which also sort of set an eye on the history of Black Marsh, because they never really go into it in that game is something called the Eye of Argonia. Uh, it's mentioned in the game itself uh, by in a conversation between the hero Cyrus and an uh, Argonian bartender named Drikius. Uh, it's described as being some massive king's jewel that uh, I believe unlocks the lost city of Black Marsh. And it's actually interesting because this was going to be the sequel to the game Red Guard. Uh, they in the in uh, the Red Guard uh, manual, the first thirty pages are given over to a uh, comic, sort of describing the history of Cyrus. And uh, one of those pages, though, is then set up as though it was a comics, uh, a letter page from. I don't know if they still do it, but you used to be able to write into the comic and uh, they would sometimes publish your letter and then sort of the editor would answer your answer what you said. And in on this letter page, they, of course, treat it as um, they've written their own comments as though this was an ongoing comic series. And they actually use this page to talk about how they were working on Morrowind a little bit. Really? But for yeah. Wow. Um, yeah, no, the where is it? There, yeah, there is something on here. Okay, yeah, 
Uh, I picked up the Battle Spire one shot last week. Any chance of uh, it becoming a full fledged series? Uh, Tally Isham, uh, Isham, CEO. Afraid not, Tally. These guys are hard at work on the Morrowind miniseries that we've been promising for two years now, and it looks like uh, we're still going to have to wait a while. So we decided to devote a few pages of the current issue of uh, The Elder Scrolls Adventure, Red Guard, to those wacky dark elves. Hope you liked it. <laughs> and below that, there's another letter. Guys, in issue number 20, again, there's only this one issue. Cyrus mentions the Eye of Argonia, an ancient artifact that sounds important. What gives? I was stationed overseas during the early days of uh, the Elder Scrolls Adventures Redguard, so maybe I missed it, huh? Alan Sundry, DC. Don't fret, Alan. You you didn't miss out on a thing. Uh, miss a thing about the Eye of Argonia in those issues, though you missed plenty of other stuff. Better get down to the comic store. Cyrus has been searching the, uh, for the Eye all over Tamriel. All we can say is that it's a priceless gem that also serves as the key to the lost city of Blackmarsh. Stay tuned. So, this game was supposed to be coming out after, um, after Redguard. It they act they actually released uh sort of the te- the um the text the or the uh, the logo for it and um unfortunately it just redguard didn't sell well so they they got bought out bethesda was bought out by zenimax and just the game never happened and apparently there had been a uh, on a side note there had been a third game that was apparently planned uh, to come afterwards, called Paradise Sugar, <laughs> in in wow. which you were supposed, uh, in according to Michael Kirkbride, the game, and this is on the unofficial Elder Scrolls pages, according to Michael Cook Kirkbride, the game would have, uh, in a Reddit comment in September 2014, the game would have involved playing as the various members of Sarathra's family, each having different forms. Uh, Sarathra was basically a Khajiit that shows up at the very beginning of Elder Scrolls Adventure, sort of help giving Cyrus the letter that sends him on his way and helping pay for his passage. So, just Paradise Sugar. Imagine how that game would have went. My god, you play as an Alphique, that means. Yeah. So, <laughs> that would That's have been it. Elder Scrolls, Elder Scrolls 6, Paradise Sugar. Here we go. <laughs> It seems like um, at that time, Elder Scrolls was really planned to be um, this this world that they created with Arena and Daggerfall. And with Redgar, they were really looking to explore specific characters in their social circle um, in that world going forward. Yeah. Uh, The Elder Scrolls Legend series that they had with Battlespire was meant to be sort of um, smaller games, which were just a single massive dungeon to go through, and the um, adventure series, which only each one only had one game. Uh, Redguard was, of course, then supposed to be more of a um, a cross between old adventure games and new, and utilizing sort of the new Tomb Raider style 3D uh, action that they had. Uh, and again, Redguard's actually a pretty fun game. Really interesting. Um, I can sort of see why it didn't sell well at that time. More, uh, Elder Scrolls didn't have the same fan base that it did with the coming of Morrowind and then Oblivion and then Skyrim. So hopefully, hopefully they're willing to try it. You know, they might try something like that in the next 
few years. I mean, they are, they seem to be branching out a bit. But like the whole point of those games or those series was meant to be to fill the the years in between uh, the coming of Morrowind and then whatever game came after that and so on and so forth. Well, it's very much the age of Tomb Raider. And instead of Cyrus, if you got to play Mariah, that game would have sold. Oh my god. <laughs> that voice. <laughs> oh, you have you just you have to love the voice acting in that game. It's amazing. <laughs> Rasmo! Wake the hell up! Anyway, um so basically I found that the whole thing about the Eye of Argonia is really interesting because by its its inclusion of this idea of the lost city, it brings in these more sword and sorcery type ideas that, you know, the Black Marsh was the home to some great civilization and you go in and you, and you explore and you, you try to find these vast ruins, uh, you know, basically like going almost going into like South America and finding the the you know lost cities of the Inca or the Maya or the Aztec. El Dorado. So yeah, you know pretty much it's that type of of idea. It's something out of uh, Conan the Barbarian. And but the main thing is it hints Black Marsh used to be far more advanced than it is now. It it, it had cul- a culture that has not only gone but absolutely disappeared from the face of the world. Now, since then, they've suggested that maybe the Argonians were the ones that built these cities. Uh, And for some reason, they just lost that knowledge that they stopped doing it. Uh, And I'd love to see more about that. I'd love to learn, you know, maybe that was something that... uh, They licked the history and that was it. They lost their reason. That was actually something that just struck me. Maybe that is what happened. They, They... made their connection with the hist and that caused them to reject you know the more civilized nature of you know the the building and whatnot as you said they're tripping balls (laughs) it's it's hard to make a city when you're tripping balls (laughs) exactly so so mark let me um let me ask you a question here yeah all right would given the choice of these two how would you like to see a uh Bethesda handle the the subject matter of Black Marsh. Would you like to see um you know one huge Elder Scrolls game, Elder Scrolls 6 Argonia? Or would you like to see um maybe one or two like small adventure games set in mm-hmm. in Black Marsh that that tell a story with, you know, one or two related uh, characters. I would love to see a large game. However, it's sort of it's part. It's sort of the same way. Uh, it's sort of the same problem that Bethesda had with doing Cyrodiil. Init- in the very first time they described it, they described it as a jungle. And the moment they had a chance to do it, they basically abandoned that idea because. That is, a full-on jungle isn't really conducive. It's it's harder to get around. It's harder to be really amazed by what you're seeing. So if we did Black Marsh and we went full swamp, full jungle, the way it should be done, you're not going to see a hell of a lot. Like 
we in Shadowfen, for example, uh, it's it's thick. It's very easy to get lost there without your map. Mm. Um, and at the same time, you have to remember that Shadowfen is actually one of the more civilized and easier to move in areas of Black Marsh. Yeah, there should be whole sections in, if there's ever released a new zone that you shouldn't be able to go from point A to point B. You have to go around it because it's just going to be too thick, too inhospitable, sluggerfish, yeah. you know, whatever the case might be. So that would be my one concern about doing a a large-scale, um, you know, Elder Scrolls Six version of the game is that to really do the province justice the way that it's been described, you would likely need to make it so thick that traveling through it would be an like not not fighting things, just moving through it would in the the deeper sections where the biggest adventures would be would be a massive ordeal. It, it seems to me like um, if we are going to see a game in <clears throat> in that area of, of Tamriel. Um, we are going to have to get used to the idea of massive lore changes, just like um, the Elder Scrolls community was surprised to see Cyrodiil not a giant forest uh, mm-hmm. jungle when when uh, Oblivion came out. And they actually had to um, retcon their their lore and say that you know there was this you know massive uh, deity event with Tiber Septim where he he blessed all of of uh, Cyrodiil. Um, to become a, a habitable land for for his people. Um, yeah, and so. and and I'm you know if they can come up with a good story for it or uh, anything, I'm for it. It's just sort of as it stands, like you have to make it so inhospitable that Tiber Septim would be unwilling to bring his army into it because it would just he would lose too many men. And it's much easier to move a single person through a a swamp than it is an army, of course. But it still has that um that difficulty factor there. Yeah. So, I mean this this problem yeah. even persists today. Uh you, you you hear in in Elder Scrolls Online that they actually um I don't know if many people know this, but they took the map the actual map that they built in Oblivion for Cyrodiil, and they chopped it up to be the actual map that you see. I'm not talking about like the paper map that you see in game, like the actual game, um, the game land that you you play yeah. on in Cyrodiil. They act that's they actually used the same game map for yeah. for Oblivion, and they chopped it up, and then they had to flatten everything. Because when you play in Oblivion, everything you know, all the hills are much taller. In order to yeah, you to... literally look like you're falling off a cliff sometimes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. There, there's a lot of vertical slopes in Oblivion, and in order to properly PvP without without this issue coming into play, they had to flatten the landscape. So it even today, it's it's still um the 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 land, landscape and and how you interact with it in a video game is extremely important to the to the end user experience. Oh yeah. And if they don't if they put in Black Marsh, if we they make you know a Black Marsh centered Elder Scrolls game, they really have to address the fact that it's a completely in, in impassable. Uh well, one thing uh, they could do with that is make uh, environments that are destructive in nature where you're yes. able to get like a machete to chop your way through and then next time you load into that area it's all regrown again 
and instead of parkouring over mountains like you do in Skyrim, you'd be spending your entire time, you know, uh, weed whacking the jungle. Yeah, but they'd have to do it in such a way that it doesn't get old fast, because that's a huge danger there. It'd be very easy for it to just become an exercise in frustration. Yeah. That's a good point. It's a yeah. very good point. But, uh, yeah, I mean, like, I'd love to see that. But you know what? If they wanted to do one or two or even three Elder Scrolls Adventure type games where you don't have the freedom to go around, but you can really get into the nitty gritty of the lore of like do a bit of exploring and find these massive cities, you know, that would be much more enjoyable. You know, like that might be a bit more enjoyable. It might be easier for them to, you know, instead of I want to go from point A to point B. Now I have to go make sure my machete is sharp. And now walking is going to be hitting the button every couple of feet to to cut through things and climb over logs and wade through leech-infested swamps. Yeah, it's a pain in, in the neck. Yeah, no one wants in, to do that. Yeah, but instead, then, in an adventure game, traveling through like that then becomes a puzzle you solve instead of just a, a hazard to go through... Um, just con you know like to basically force your way through that well, is like slowing run? your progress down <laughs> well like temple run <laughs> <laughs> basically all right um so uh, yeah. so, so uh excuse me uh so, so so mark you got anything else uh yeah well basically we ended of course then to eso in which um they took that idea of black marsh is uh, you know, has such a history to it, and then they introduced the Alien Ruins. They they brought up the more, um, uh, they brought up the uh, the other the ruins of whatever ancient, spe- uh, whatever ancient Argonians built the large pyramids and whatnot. Uh, and then, of course, like when you're in Stormhold, it's just mud huts surrounding, uh, you know, built near one of these ancient ruins, and you really see that. That idea of um, of an, a lost civilization it makes you feel that this is a a swamp that inc- you know that devours anything that just tries to to build in because you have to remember Shadowfen is the probably one of the more settled the more um, accepted as it were or the one of the more um, civilized parts of. Uh, Black Marsh because it only gets worse the deeper in you get. Sure. Yeah. So, yeah, that's that's pretty much what I have to say about it. It's just this watching this entire province go from fairly neatly organized towns that are well cupped up to just uh, barely you know these these towns that are just only there because the folk are constantly fighting against this swamp and jungle that's just constantly trying to devour what they built. Mm. So kids, what did we learn here? Don't lick the history. <laughs> <laughs> don't don't go into Black Marsh without your machete. <laughs> I raise the spine of I can taste the color blue. Uh, oh, oh my. <laughs> Alright, well um, so that's that's uh, a bit on on what Black Marsh has has meant to Elder Scrolls, um, as far as the games go. But uh, let's let's talk a little bit with uh, with Mike 
on on some of the things um, in the lore, the history of Black Marsh. Okay, so it is said that everything in Tamriel flows down to Black Marsh, from the Argonian account, Book Four. Uh, we will be looking at how this inhospitable land has become home to some of the most mysterious races and cultures in Tamriel, and see if anything does indeed flow down to Black Marsh. Oh. So one of the biggest problems researching the land known as Black Marsh is that the stories told come from either the Imperial or the Altmer scholars, neither of which portrays the land known as Argonia in a good light. From the father of the Niven, a poem about Topol the pirate, whom the Topol Bay is named. Fragment 3. The fetid, evil swamplands and their human lizards retreat to the east, and Topol and his men, heart, are greatly gladdened by the sight of diamond blue, pure, sweet ocean. It has been called the garbage heap of Tamriel, to where everything rotten and despoiled eventually flows, and its borderlands and coasts have been ravaged by civilization after civilization. But its heart is inviolate, for so poisonous is its air, ground, and water, its mysteries are secure. Detractors long ago called the southeastern swampland of Tamriel Black Marsh, but to its admirers, of whom there are a few, it is Argonia. So the first was from the uh, poem about Topol, and the second from the Pocket Guide to the Empire. So, not the best of light to be putting things in. No. Not not particularly. It's hard to love the swamp. Yeah. Uh, so then we have a book called The Wet Wilds of Black Marsh. It makes it sound like a slip and slide park place. <laughs> During the Second Empire, the vast swamplands encompassing Black Marsh were claimed as imperial territory. Naturally, the obtuse elves and other admirers of these seeping pustules on the buttocks of Tamriel favored the name Argonia. I had to put it in just for that. (laughs) (laughs) An ancient battleground where their forebears were put to death. Perhaps because of this, it was deemed inappropriate to give the primordial tribes of lizard folk the name Argonian in our common tongue. What cannot be argued is the pitiful state of the province. It positively oozes with the devastated and fetid, the scars of battles past and plunderers present permanently disfigure those already inhabitable borderlands. Wade inward through the dark heart of Black Marsh will elude you. Its elements combine to infect explorers with pox both real and imagined. The inhabitants of this province enjoy an anonymity not seen elsewhere the early Almeri explorer and poet Topol the pilot describes man-like reptiles fleet of foot and running the length of the great mire and gave the impression of an abandoned place unlived by settlers however primitive man such as the Cothringi primal myrrh such as the barbastic Aliads and the relatives of the Khajiit like the Vulpine Limolithi Limolith all fought for their own piece of this noisome refuge. So we can see that it's not just Argonians who've lived here. No, more more folks of uh, Tamriel wanted to get their, their own piece of that fetid pie that is Black Marsh. So one thing that would be cool is if we do get more expansions into Black Marsh, if we do get this uh, Vulpine Limoleth uh, type creature as uh, a race that you get get to interact with. Mm-hmm. Well, the thing is, though, I, as I understand it, that race, the uh, the little Moffat, were also, um, I think they were killed off by the cotton flu as well, or before. Like they've 
they have said this you know they they are dead uh they're gone by this point but at the same time if they put little Mo- little moth in which is a argonian town one i believe it's the south east corner of it well that would be a great point to go you know add lore to that race because we know basically nothing about them yeah might uh might might come into into play in a in a discussion that we have uh not too long from now. Yeah, and yeah. the Pocket Empire of the uh of the Pocket Guide to the Emperor lists a couple other tribes of stuff. The humans, uh the Kothringi, which we've already talked about, the Orma, the Yurpset, and the Hor Horwali. And then uh the Aliads and uh a tribe of Catamaric Volithi Velothi. So uh you know, there are other tribes of man and myrrh that live in the area so it would well, be they, interesting they, they used to and then yeah. the Kuthingi flu came around god damn it they should have gotten vaccinated are you listening california this could be you <laughs> lizard men everywhere <laughs> i'm sure there'd be uh there, they'd be okay in, in california too those <laughs> nice uh nice little lizard folks Rub, rub some avocado on it. It'll be fine. <laughs> Just fine. Yeah. It's all right. <laughs> so from myths and legends of the Hiss, because the last major uh, populace outside of Argonians is the Hist. On the world of Nern, all was chaos. The only survivors of the 12 worlds of creation were the Elnafe and the Hist. The Elnafe are the ancestors of Myrrh and Man. The Hiss are the trees of Argonia. Nern originally was all land, an interspaced interspersed seas but no ocean so from the annotated uh, paraphrased so you know there is the possibility you know that these sentient trees are there and uh, you can interact with them so from the myths and legends of the hiss those willing to risk rust cancer green spore and a host of other more debilitating diseases may venture into parts of black marsh unmapped by the higher races the few who can cope with swamp rot, flesh flies, and the constant paler of unseen enemies whooping, clacking, and simply lying in the muck waiting to, s- to slice teeth across your limbs may reach the innermost swamps. The hardiest of imperial explorers who have no further need to prove their mettle after the following discovery may gaze upon the history. Rumors bound that the history is the main form of worship among the scaled people of these dark swales. Others have hypothesized that the trees are apprehend... Appreciative. Appreciative, yes. Sorry, thank you. It's okay. (laughs) With a deep knowledge and unfathomable secrets from the times before the races of man and myrrh. Loose trans... (laughs) Sorry, aperceptive. Okay. Say that. Yeah. Okay. Well, maybe they're appreciative too. You know, that's it. You know. (laughs) Yeah, sorry about that. <laughs> Might be appreciative as well, you don't know. Loose translation of recently uncovered Dunmary text seem to indicate a ritual among the Argonians, although this may be legend rather than fact. It is said that when a slack seal emerges from juvenescence, it finds a nearby history to lick sap from its bowl. See, if they stopped licking the sap, they'd have cities. Wow, no, wow. Mm-hmm. You said bowl, right? B-O-W-L. Bowl. (laughs) 
<laughs> the elements of the sap quicken the hormonal glands, which sprout appropriate organs from which the Argonian's gender can be determined. Immediately afterwards, an appropriate mate is found and reproduction occurs. The female soon lays one or more eggs, which are moved to a hatchling pool where gestation and spawning takes place. Historically, Black Marsh has served as... A, okay, so this is the end of the myths and legends of the Hist. So... Now, go ahead. No, you go ahead. Ask the question. Well, I always find it interesting. The whole... The Hist... Licking the Hist sap is important, a very important part of the Argonian life cycle. The idea that this... Um, without doing this, uh, they they don't necessarily even uh, gain a, uh, a a specific gender um, if they don't lick the hiss sap. But at the same time, then that leaves me wondering: Well, what happens to Argonians who are born in um, who are born in, say, uh, uh, High Rock? Or Skyrim, or uh, this—you know. Well, I was about to say the Somerset Isles, but that's not happening. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, basically, what happens? To, I, I always wondered what happens to them. Uh, do do all of them then have to make a pilgrimage back at some point in their life and early in their life and lick the history? Because you think something would be written about that, you know, that that type of thing. Because we're shown in oblivion. The histories are not meant to be, you know, not meant to be taken out of uh, Black Marsh. Uh, maybe yeah. they have sap in a bottle or synth sap. That's that's actually a very good point. Maybe there's other trees that they can lick. I, I, well, I just I finished uh, one of the quests in ESO, and uh, you know, they were talking about how they wanted to try and uh, form a new village. And they would follow Yifri and uh, the, become a tree minder in uh, the spirit of the wood elves. So maybe, you know, there'll be another type of uh, tree that they can use. Black, marsh, uh, black market maple, uh, make maple syrup now replaces his <laughs> sap. <laughs> See? Can sell in more places than just Canada. Hey, hey, I got the. You, you need this stuff? Got some really, I got some pure maple right here. Yeah, man. I got some pure hist here right for you. Oh, good. Now I can finally decide which gender pronoun to use. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, God. Uh, I find myself so amusing, I snort at my own jokes. (laughs) Anyway. Mike, what else we got today? So, historically, Black Marsh has served as a thorn in the Imperial side, starting in the First Era, soon after Raymond Cyrodiil was crowned Emperor. Uh, he set forth the plan to incorporate Black Marsh into the Imperial Council. So, there's a book, uh, Imperial Incursions, Why a Swamp? First, I want to thank you again for offering me this opportunity to serve the Empire. I will do everything in my power to consistently be worthy of your faith in me. Second, it has come to my attention that certain members of the Council have expressed curiosity or even concern over my decision to take command of the 4th Legion of Black Marsh. Why conquer a damn swamp when there are more important locations to deal with? Was one particular quote, reportedly spoken by a ranking member of the Council, that reached my ears. Now, of course, I will always defer to your limitless wisdom, but let me tell you why I think this damn swamp is necessary for the future security of the empire black marsh covers a huge portion of southeast tamriel 
for our exploration of the coastline and interior swampland is easily as large as Hammerfeld or Skyrim. And it contains an untapped reservoir of wealth and resources waiting to be exploited. If the lizard folk won't take advantage of that, then certainly we should. And what about the lizard folk themselves? Do we really want these primitive savages governing themselves? That would leave our borders ripe for attack if they ever give, gave rise to a charismatic leader of their own. Why wait for the inevitable? Better to take matters into our own hands and chart our own destiny. After all, that is the Imperial way. Mm. Finally, Black Marsh represents the final frontier for the Imperial war machine. It is new and unblemished, an unknown region demanding to be explored. I look forward to leading our forces on this necessary and worthwhile endeavor. And I assure you, our victory over the lizard folk will be fast and glorious. I guaranteed it. General Argarius Buko, commander I, of the Fourth Legion. I guarantee it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. How many uh, centuries later, and they still can't do it. Poor, uh, poor little Argonian guys. Had these Imperials gunning after them. It's not so nice. So, you've heard us talk about it a couple times now. One of the most right. important events in the modern era for Black Marsh has to be the Cahatan flu. Uh, the ter terrible Cahatan flu arose from natural causes or was created by an Argonian shaman, shaman in retaliation for his people's oppression. It is still a matter of debate, but it is, its result was clear. The plague began in Stormhold in the second era of 560 and quickly spread to every corner of Black Marsh, killing all those not reptilian stock. For over 40 years, it held the province in its grip, decimating entire culturals, cultures, notably the Cothringi, and driving outsiders from the land. And this comes from the book The War with the Trees, Argonia and the Black Marsh. By the time of Tiber Septon, the flu had passed and the Empire's interest in Black Marsh had been renewed. And even Tiber Septon, it was said, thought twice before conquering Black Marsh for his new empire. The borders of the province fell easily to his forces, but he wisely decided to avoid strategically unimportant inner swamps and thus met little resistance. The Imperials continued to rule the in the Empire's name along the coastal cities of the province, but most native Argonians as advisors. These Archerians also act as governors in the rural areas that still make up the majority of Black Marsh. Beyond the reach of the Empire, there is little supervision of the inner swamplands. It is unknown whether or not these areas even recognize Imperial rule in the province. So, Hmm. That's pretty much most of like the factual type of history that we can find on it. Now, it has featured prominently in a number of, of fictions. Uh, we talked last week about the Argonian account. Right. Uh, and uh, uh, Scotty's adventures there in the inner Black Marsh. Uh, but we also get to see it in uh, the novel series 2920, The Last Year of the First Era. Uh, and it's a historical series of books about Vivek and the Empire. Uh, so we start out, 4th Morning Star 2920, Gideon Blackmarsh. The Empress paced around her cell. Wintertide gave her wasteful energy. While in the summer, she would merely sit by her window and be grateful for each breath the stale swamp wind came to cool her. Ugh. Across the room, her unfinished tapestry of a dance at the Imperial Court seemed to mock her. She ripped it from its frame, tearing the pieces apart as they drifted to the floor. Then she laughed at her own useless gesture of defiance. She would have plenty of time to repair it and craft a hundred more. The Emperor had locked her up here in Castle Genovese seven years ago and would keep her here until he or she died. 
With a sigh, she pulled the cord to call her knight, Zook. He appeared at the door within minutes, fully uniformed as befit an imperial guard. Most of the native Cuthringi tribesmen of Blackmarsh preferred to go about naked, but Zook had a positive delight to fashion. His silver, reflective skin... Well, thank God for that. <laughs> yeah. Only scarcely visible, only on his face, neck, and hands. Your Imperial Highness, he said with a bow. Zook, the Empress, Tavia, I'm bored. Let's discuss methods for assassinating my husband today. Wow, that's awful. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> well, well I've, I, uh, I solved the Sudoku puzzle today, so let's talk about killing my husband. <laughs> you going anywhere? Nope. Well, <laughs> well, here we are. <laughs> yeah, but it is cool that you know they we finally get a hint of what you know the Kothringi people might have looked like silver skin. So, yeah. Well, you actually get to sort of meet um, meet the last tribe and of uh, Kothringi and ESO, and there's uh, there's a little bit to do with them. It's it's actually pretty interesting. That's how you get the skeleton polymorph, isn't it? Yeah. Hmm. So, I find it interesting that uh, you had mentioned earlier that there there might be some areas of uh, of Black Marsh where they don't necessarily, uh, or it's it's they may not necessarily recognize imperial authority. Well, one of the th- places they've uh, they've teased long ago for. Uh, ESO was Merkmeyer. Uh, and they were showing pictures of like uh, an almost fish like race that, um, or, you know, a, a sort of fishmen type race that, uh, that, you know, that lived in the area. Well, yeah, I'm, we've never seen anything like that before. And Merkmeyer is supposed to be even further into the interior. So, yeah, I'm, I'm sure there's tons of things that we have never seen in lore or even had hinted at. That we could find that we could find there. Hmm. It's these kinds maybe of things we'll, that, you know, as an Elder maybe, Scrolls player, you don't necessarily think of. And um, I mean, you know, Black Marsh is, is you know a thick jungle, but um, I mean, it's it's interesting that it could be possibly so thick that some indigenous tribes that live in there don't even realize that, you know, the the larger part of the the um, continent they live on is. It has one one single government attached to it. I'm sorry, Mark. What, uh, Mike, what were you going to say? I was thinking, you know, maybe uh, they're going to hire uh, George Lucas and the Gungans are going to be the people that live in the middle of Mark. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Misa don't like the Imperials. <laughs> and suddenly we have to nuke Tamriel from orbit. <laughs> it's the only way to be sure. <laughs> <laughs> Imperial What are you talking about Trying to conquer Eason Eason Oh dear god <laughs> Oh Alright Yeah So Mike uh, what, <laughs> what else So that's it for the histories uh, You know All right. If you enjoyed some of the books that we talked about You know Imperial Library has the full listing You know uh, especially the twenty nine uh, twenty there, uh, you know, it's a pretty big uh, series. Most of them, you know, you find out a little bit about Vivek and the, the tribunal, 
But uh, the part here about Gideon and the Empress in prison there, you know, and some of the stuff that happens is really cool. All right. Well, um, moving right on along here. Uh, we've got our fast question of the week, and uh, we've got a little bit of a setup here. A little bit of a role play, if you will, for your fast question for our dynamic duo of classic. And, of course, you listening at home, of course. Uh, so, you are Bethesda employee. Yes, you are Bethesda employee. And Elder Scrolls Six is going to be in Black Marsh. This is all hypothetical, people. It's all hypothetical. Hypothetically speaking, you're a Bethesda employee. Elder Scrolls Six is in Black Marsh. Your job this week, Todd Howard comes up to you. Uh, hey, uh, would you would you mind uh, doing a thing for me? Uh, the the thing he wants you to do, your job this week, is to come up with a new race of creature, previously unknown to the people of Tamriel. To help add flavor to Black Marsh for players. The question is, given that situation, what do you create? Mike. Okay, so I am a child of the 80s. And how many people remember I Have the Power He-Man series? He-Man. <laughs> yes. So Skeletor was the big bad guy, but he had some henchmen. <laughs> Beastman with the orange fur. And then Merman. And Merman was always the cowardly guy who ran away. But it would have to look like that. He'd have to be like a frog-type creature as like the base. I think that he would be dripping his own hiss sap. So that, you know, if you actually came up against him, you'd actually like start tripping balls yourself. <laughs> from the poisons coming off his body. Okay. <laughs> oh, that's brilliant. That's really good. I really like that idea. What about you? Yeah. What about you, Mark? Uh, I've been thinking of uh, some sort of creature from the Black Lagoon thing, but Mike took that. So I've got uh, other two options is make wear crocodiles an actual thing. Oh, yeah. Or, no, 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 Batman. Batman. Really? Batman. Batman. Okay. All right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. We're we're getting there. We're getting there, guys. This is this is like really creative, unique stuff. I mean, you're not seeing this in Elder Scrolls at all. Um, they come up and they say, "I'm Batman." I'm Batman. They throw a smoke grenade and they disappear. <laughs> <laughs> Do I look like a cop to you? Um, I'm looking for I'm looking for more insects. Where are they? <laughs> I swear to the hiss. I swear to me. <laughs> Who oh, are you? <laughs> squeak, squeak, <laughs> mother. <laughs> uh, squeakity squeak, uh, squeak. <laughs> squeak, squeak, squeaker, squeakums. Jeez. <sighs> oh, you know, I came up with this question. I still have no idea what I would do other than Swamp Thing Trolls. Ooh. Swamp I Thing like Trolls. They come out of the swamp, right? They're 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 just like trolls. They come out of the swamp. You don't even know they're in there because they blend perfectly within their environment. 
And they're all like, Swap and Troll! And you're like, Oh my god! Swap and Troll! Swap and Troll! My regeneration rate's ridiculous! Wait, are we, are we doing Swamp Thing Trolls or Man Thing Trolls? Uh, well, they should be like traditional D&D Trolls, like the green, like slimy things. Like, basically a cross between a D&D Troll and a Shambling Mound. Yeah. Right. No, I, I like that, Swamp Thing How trolls, do you defeat that's... them, though? You take away their internet. <laughs> <laughs> oh... Man, no, no, I, I like that idea of our one. I like that one. How am I supposed to survive without a steady access to Reddit? <laughs> <laughs> of course, my my arms are waving in the air like they're vines. I don't know where the hell that comes from. <laughs> uh, that's fun. <laughs> oh, boy. All right, so... I really like these ideas. These are amazing ideas. Someone call Bethesda. <laughs> someone call them. Someone call them up now. All right. Um, we've got a uh, we've got an email right here. And speaking of emails, for you, dear listener or dear viewer, um, if you would like to let us know what sort of um, what sort of creature you would put in Black Marsh. Put it in the comments section below in our YouTube channel or send us an email at elderscrollsofftherecord at gmail.com or you can always tweet, a, tweet at us at elderscrollsotr as well. Uh, so we've got this email. This, is, comes, from, uh, this comes from Justin. Um, Mark, would you mind? Not at all. Thank you. Good afternoon, ESOTR crew and or the crew of Classic. I'm not really sure what... Uh, you would want to uh, sorry I'm not really sure where you'd want to read this if at all as I plan on touching on things mentioned on in the classic episodes but I'm thinking towards a possible Elder Scrolls 6 which discussion does this belong uh, belong to I'll let you decide I feel we'll, we'll read this now that's what I'm thinking uh, on one of your previous classic episodes I believe Varwin said something to the effect that after completing the Dark Brotherhood quest, you don't feel like an assassin. Uh, paraphrasing, of course. I felt the same way. So this is what I thought of for a solution. Imagine if in Elder Scrolls VI, they gave you one storyline that gets you from noob to guildmaster, and then a second quest line that starts you at guildmaster and then lets you then and lets you lead and make decisions and lead your guild to glory or not. As a second point, I would like to see multiple factions for the same type of gameplay. Sticking with the Assassin, imagine if you had the option to join the Dark Brotherhood if you're into that, or the Morag Tong if you like the religious thing. Or maybe just you could join the Blades or the Thalmor and take out your political enemies. Or maybe join all three. And lastly, a minor point, is if there is a faction in the game, I believe it should be joinable. Okay, that's all from me. Keep up the great work. Justin. So, Justin, um, I really like these ideas, uh, especially, well, the, the two main ideas that you came up with, which is um, if a if a faction exists in the game, it should definitely be joinable. And also um, having sort of like a split sort of thing where you go from noob to guildmaster and then another quest where <clears throat> you lead your guild as the guildmaster to, to glory. Um, I, I like that idea. That's a nice one. My only, I do my like only the concern. Quest thing. 
What's that? I do like the double quest idea. Yeah. My my only my only concern with that idea is that how how do you make if it's if it is separate storylines, how do you make it feel like separate storylines and not like a really weird broken up continuation of the same quest line you've been on? Hmm. So that's that's my only concern with it. Um Listen, you asked me to create a monster and to write a book, and now right. you want me to come up with all the problems of storylines, too? I want, Sheesh. I, I want you to write some quests. I mean, you know. <laughs> Everyone, we're not machines. <laughs> I, I'm sorry. <laughs> it's a, it's true. I, I'm a monster. <laughs> Go lick your toad man and, you know, sit in the corner for a while and think about what you did. <laughs> or at least think, ponder the, the nature of the universe through your t- thumbnail. Misa needs to lick the history! (laughs) (laughs) You can tell us what the Keller Yellow sounds like. (laughs) What what are your thoughts on Justin's ideas, guys? Let's start with with Mike. I've always thought that you should be able to join every faction. So, like, you know, if you don't like the werewolves from the Companions questline, you should be able to join the Silver Hand and, and work to destroy the Companions from that side. Uh, you know, not just having it one-sided. So it'd be nice to see, you know, multiple factions, and uh, they should be joinable. And, uh, you know, but the one thing is, is just like with the Civil War, you know, you pick a side and you fight for that side. You can't, you know, be part of the Pentus Ocularis and the Dark Brotherhood at the same time. Right. Or the Morag Tong and the Dark Brotherhood at the same time. I, I would definitely, yes, I would definitely like to see some of that um, some of that come back into Elder Scrolls. You know, I mean, I understand that, you know, my butt handed to me here. Um, you know, I understand that Daggerfall was a very long time ago and that the systems in Daggerfall, a lot of them would not necessarily be fun for, for people today because of all the advancements that we've had in gaming and game systems since then. That being said, I definitely think that there are some things uh, worthwhile taking from Daggerfall that that will, once you start making decisions, start to pigeonhole you a little bit more in in the gameplay. And uh, that idea of, you know, I'm part of this guild and therefore the other guild now hates me on sight is something I would, I I think that, that people, gamers, modern gamers, would find... Um, to be refreshing and challenging. Yeah, no, I agree. Um, Plus the replayability. Yeah. Because you play yeah. through one faction quest, you have to go back through and play through as the other side. Right. Yeah. And, and like, that's the thing. I, I, I like the idea of having multiple factions like if you don't like the dark brotherhood you could go with something that's slightly different uh i would sort of like as long as the other factions make sense in the area for example having the morag tong be available in um let's say uh in high rock that i think wouldn't work that's just sort of throwing them in to have them yeah um and at the same time you know, like he, he suggested, you know, if you don't like the Thalmor, you could join the Imperials or that type of thing. I, I do feel like, yeah, there should be a limit to the type of fa- like certain factions. It shouldn't really matter. Like if you join the dark, if you join the um, 
the Mages Guild, they're not going to care if you join the Fighters Guild or even the Thieves Guild, that type of thing. They're, for the most part, they're not going to mind. Um, but at the same time, if you join the Thalmor, well, there is no way in hell that you're al- that you can join the Imperials or vice versa. Right. Or if you do very quickly, like you can only get like one or two things in and then you have to pick a side between them. Uh, I think that it was actually a little bit like that in um, in Skyrim that if you that uh, at one point in the Imperial or Stormcloak quests you had to basically pick which which group it didn't matter like I could be doing all the Imperial missions and then once I got to this point I now have to I can now instead choose to go with uh, Ulfric should I choose to yeah whoever you gave the crown to is where you ended up staying. Yeah, so you like that that type of choice would have to be made. At which point, the other side would never deal with you again. Um, so yeah, I mean, I'd I would love to see more done with the factions that way. It's just again, it it comes down to being very careful in how it's implemented. You know, you know what I would really like to see in regards to Elder Scrolls Six. Just just on a side note here. If it's going to take 10 years for this game to come out from where we are now, mm-hmm. I would really like to see this game be like Arena and Daggerfall. And we can go all over. All over Tamriel. And, and experience all of the provinces the size of, of Skyrim. That's what I would like to see for for Elder Scrolls Six here, and I I think um, I think that would I think that would be freaking badass. What do you think, Mike? Mark, what do you guys think? And that would be fantastic. I mean, I would absolutely love it if if you could, but it's. Unfortunately, it's ten. They're suggesting ten years before the next one, but it's like it's not ten years working on it, and that's sort of the problem. And it comes down to: Do you want the game quick? Do you want it to be good, or do you want it to be cheap? Right. You can, or you can have two of three. Your choice. Yeah. Yeah. And well, know, I'm so- hoping that one of the things that they're looking at is what the engine can do. Like, if we were to go somewhere where it needs a lot more trees and undergrowth and vegetation. It, it takes a lot of computer power yeah. to render all of those things, plus the environments. And, you know, one of the big things that people complain about with Skyrim is you play it for so long, how come the calendar changes, but the environment doesn't change? Yeah. You know, would they add seasons to wherever we're going? Um, you know, when you look at all of the crafting that goes on in ESO... How much of that kind of stuff is going to be expected when you go into the next Elder Scrolls where you don't have just the standard, was it, you know, 10 different craftable styles, but all of these other styles that come with it, um, you know, and light, heavy, and medium armor for each of the styles. And, you know, if that last email that we got last week um, about large scale battles is the, the case, you know, the towns throughout Skyrim could not hold the population of Nords needed to fight the Imperials. There's just no way. Yeah. So you're talking larger and larger cities that have to be created with 
thicker populations, which means more AI for each of the, the characters. And then if there is large-scale battle scenes, you know, how do you portray each and every soldier on the field for each side? So. Good thoughts. Good thoughts. All right, guys. Well, I think uh, I think maybe we've reached the end of our, our show this evening. What do you think? Yeah, I think so. I think yeah. so. It's the end of our I notes. Think- yeah. yeah, I think we've covered quite a lot. <laughs> Good stuff. Yeah. Um. So so we talked a lot about Black Marsh and and the lore and and certainly um what uh, what the province itself and the Argonians have have also meant to the series. Uh, let's get uh, let's get your final thoughts, starting with Mike. So uh, it was you know a challenge to find all of the lore on this because uh, there really wasn't a lot prior to ESO coming out. Uh, so I tried to do my best to get as much of it as we could prior to ESO. Um, yeah, some of it has been amazing stuff. Uh, you know, I knew that the Ar- Eye of Argonia was a game that never got made that gives a lot of people problems when you see the fake accounts uh, saying, Elder Scrolls Six Eye of Argonia coming, you know, this fall. <laughs> uh, and that's been coming since, like, 2012. Uh, <laughs> you know, um, but, uh, you know, I can see why, you know, people would want to go and explore, um, you know, Black Marsh. It definitely could be a very cool place. But will the technology be up to rendering uh, Black Marsh of our dreams? So don't lick the, the sap. Well, don't forget, uh, Todd Howard did say uh, to to IGN, I believe, um, you know, I could I could sit here and explain the game to you. And then you would look at me and say, wow, do we even have the technology to do that right now? And, and of course, the answer is no. So, um, which is which is pretty much almost verbatim what he said. Um, mm-hmm. So we'll we'll see. I mean, they've got something up their sleeves. Who know what? Who knows what it is though? Only the shadow knows. Uh, what about what about you, Mark? What are what are your final thoughts? Um, Black Marsh is one of those areas that there's frankly not a huge amount. I mean, it's more uh, in a way, it's more what it could be that's interesting and what it it suggests is there than than what we actually know about it. Um, so yeah, it would be fantastic to to see more of it. Uh, I I do think it would be difficult to do it justice considering the sort of buildup they've given it, though. All right, gentlemen. Well, uh, huge thanks to Mike and Mark for putting uh, today's show together for us. Uh, also, I'd like to thank our chat room. For, for joining us this evening, as well as our podcast listeners and uh, those watching us on, on YouTube as well. Please, if you have not already subscribed to our YouTube channel, please do so. Uh, also, feel free to, uh, to interact with us. You can, you can leave a comment in the YouTube, uh, YouTube comment section. You can send us a tweet at Elder Scrolls OTR. Send us an email at Elder Scrolls Off the Record at gmail.com. Um, Boy, we've got we've got so much here to uh, to offer you. Um, of course, classic Elder Scrolls, but don't forget Dancing with Daggers, our Friday night live stream starting at 10:30 p.m. Eastern in ESO. Uh, we've got videos up on our YouTube channel, such as Lunchtime in Tamriel and some other really awesome um, podcasts for you guys to listen to, such as Fallout Off the Record, Dragon Age Off the Record, KD Radio, our our uh, general gaming and, and retro gaming podcast as well from the folks that brought you Fallout off the record. 
And uh, our Dungeons & Dragons uh, podcast, QGD&D, I think uh, episode 11 will be coming up be, what, tonight, right? Or tomorrow? Uh, yeah, a little later on tonight we're going to put that out. Great. Um, you can grab us up on iTunes, or if you have a, uh, an Android device, you can uh, download the app, Stitcher Radio. You can listen to us there. Uh, you can also get catch us on Google Play as well if you have an Android device. Uh, you can always check us out on our website as well, questgamingnetwork.com. Uh, follow these gentlemen, Mike and Mark. Mike can be found at KDR Mickey on Twitter. And Mark can be found at Carnegie Wolf. That's C-A-R-N-A-G-A-N-W-O-L-F-E. And, of course, I'm of Arwen. You can follow me out of Arwen. That's E-V-A-R-W-Y-N. Classic Elder Scrolls. Yeah, Quest Gaming Network. We throw this thing together. So thank you so much for listening, downloading, watching, and interacting with us. As always, we'd like to thank you. Take care. Please be safe out there. And as always... We want you.